0: So last time, I was talking about um, this this section here in sec, 1 Corinthians chapter two. I read I think nine through sixteen, and and I'm going to read that again here in a minute. But I I just made some general uh, observations about spiritual knowledge versus natural knowledge and what it means to know a little bit of what it means to know spiritually and how to, to retain that knowledge. We were talking about how the natural learning is kind of the acquiring or the gathering of information into the, into the natural mind, into the brain. And, and, and uh, the, the general, the default understanding of spiritual knowledge is that it works the same way, that it's learning a different subject, but that it's the same kind of learning and it's known and remembered and, and experienced the same way for the most part. Uh, You learn spiritual things, or maybe you even see spiritual realities in his own light. But then we try to, rather than stay in the light and walk in the light and live where those things are real and have the truth of them become the truth as it is in us, instead of that, we, um, we see something in a flash of light, if in fact we do see beyond just our own ideas and concepts and beliefs, we see something in in, a, in kind of a flash of light, and and then we just tr- t- we talk about it, we remember it, we find verses that prove it, or find verses that excite us because they talk about it or whatever, and and, and yet we don't usually we don't know how to retain spiritual understanding. Because the only way to retain spiritual understanding is for the heart to stay in the place and in the light where that spiritual understanding is a reality. It's actually to be governed and constrained by that understanding and not take it to yourself and try to govern and constrain it. You know what I mean? Governing, apply it. Uh, Understand it, interpret it, apply it. That's what man does. We, We look at spiritual words or words that came out from the spirit. And, um, and, and and we try to, we don't know that we're doing that, but what we try to do is we try to interpret and then control what, what that means and apply it to us in the way that we feel like it should apply. But that's never how spiritual knowledge works. Spiritual knowledge is God's knowledge of all things in his own light. And you come into that light or you see a flash of that light and the only way to retain it, to retain what you've seen is to walk in the light as he is in the light. And there it is always real. And there it always has power over the the believer. In the light, it has power to constrain, to move, to motivate, to pull towards the light and to pull away from the darkness, to pull into the nature that, that casts the light, the nature of righteousness and out of the nature of sin. And so by walking in the light, as he is in the light, you have fellowship with God and with those who are born of that same seed. And, and you experience the power that is in that light. Or in other words, you experience the grace that works in the soul by faith. Because that's what that that's what the, so much of the New Testament is talking about. It is talking about how the grace of God came through Christ. The law came through Moses. Grace... And truth came through Jesus Christ, that grace works in the soul. it is access and experience by faith, which is the light or the knowledge of God that comes from him. He's the author of it. I'm kind of reviewing here, and I wasn't even planning on doing that, but that's just kind of what we talked about last time. The natural man cannot take, cannot even understand spiritual knowledge. But when he hears spiritual words or words that came from the Spirit, he cannot discern them. What he can do, and what he always does, is um, grabs onto those things. Morning, sir. sir. Uh, And and puts them in, in, in a in the wrong wineskin, in the wrong vessel, and and it can't it can't stay there. It can't remain there. There's a there's a new vessel of the spirits forming. There's a there's a place uh, where those things can be maintained, but but and walked in and experienced. But it's only as the soul learns to abide in the person who is their reality, substance, and power. And and, and if we don't if we don't come to understand that, um, then then we we don't understand anything. There's there's a lot of people out there who I believe have caught glimpses of spiritual truth. The light has appeared in their heart and in a moment of um, softness and humility before the Lord and a moment or maybe several moments of true hunger and seeking and willingness. Uh, The light, light has appeared. It is shown in the darkness to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And yet that knowledge is quickly grabbed by the fleshly hands of man and done and 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 manipulated or done things with that keep the soul from actually being changed by it. The soul can actually remember. I mean, the, the soul can remember and talk about and preach and write about the things that were seen in the light without actually staying in the light. It, there's a memory of it, but it's not real anymore. And and people, I get emails a lot where people say this, and I like it when I do because. Um, even though it's, they're, they're complaining or they're saying something that's hard for them to uh, understand, it, 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 it's actually a good sign. The, the emails say things like, um, I, I saw this really amazing thing and I, I, I lost it and I can't get it back, you know, whatever. Or the, I, there was this incredible reality that I was reading Ephesians or something and... Isaiah or something you know and 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 this this incredible thing and and now it's gone and I don't well it's it's not given to you as yours it, it is you are allowed to enter into it and experience it as your heart turns and, and abides there. But it's not a possession of the natural mind. It can never be retained by the natural mind. It can never be uh, re, not, it can be remembered in terms of words or concepts but by, by the natural mind, but the power is only in the light. The experience of it is only in the light and it becomes uh, dead ideas very, very, very quickly if the heart does not learn to abide where it's real. Okay. So anyway, let me read this, and uh, and actually, I kind of got stuck on one little phrase. I, I said last time that I was going to give uh, something of an overview of this of this chunk here from ten or nine to sixteen, and uh, and then I was going to pick apart a few little sections that stuck out to me. And there's one of those today that I'm going to um, talk about. So it says. As it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the depths of God, the deep things of God. I like the uh, New American Standard. I think it says the depths of God. I like that better. For what man knows the things of a man, except the spirit of the man, which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God, except the spirit of God. Now, we have received, not the spirit of the world, or or you could say the spirit that reigns in the world, the spirit that is the prince uh, and power that governs the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things which have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged, is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. All right. I, I kind of got stuck, and we'll see if we get past this today. I kind of got stuck in this first part here, where he's quoting this verse from Isaiah, which says, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have... Entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. And I was just thinking about this. I've talked about this in other contexts before a little bit. But um, this this phrase, for those who love him. And I thought I'd just maybe say some things about loving God. Or the love the love that we have for God. Everybody says they love God. I mean unless you're an atheist or something, but pretty much everyone that believes in God says they love God. There might be some exceptions to that, but almost everybody is of the opinion that they love God. And there's there's many, many kinds of love for God that are not love for God. (laughs) There are many kinds of false love for God which are really at their root just love of self and there's, re- there's really only one true love for God there's only one way to really love God and there's, there's a lot I want to say about this or there's a lot I guess spinning around in my head right now in my heart about this but I just I want to just suggest to everybody that you uh, I do this a lot but just that you loosen your grip on what you think you know about loving God? What you think you know about what it means to love God or whether you love God or whether everybody you think loves God loves God. Not that I not that I want you running around judging other people. I really don't care what what what's going on with or what you think about other people. What I really care about is that we understand what the love of God, love for God is or at least something about it and stop living in our own Um, assumptions, assumptions are always wrong. Uh, there's never been, you've never had a right one, you know, uh, because assumptions come out of your mind. They come from you. They don't assumptions are your ideas about things that are spiritual, which if they are not from the mind of the spirit, they are, uh, false and idols. And so, um, it, it, it just even the most basic things like like loving God can be an idol, can be a false reality established in your mind. First of all, let me say this: there is no ability to love God, not in truth, in the in the fallen Adamic man. There there is no there that 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 capacity um, is not there in, in Adam's natural state, without being visited by the light of Christ. I believe that the natural man is dead in sin and trespass, is blind, is motivated by self, by self-gain, by self-love, by self-protection. He is wholly dark. He is completely, completely unable to do or be anything other than himself. That's the state of the of the natural man, and he is perfectly content to live in the vanity of his mind in the desires and lusts of his flesh and of his mind uh, the pride of life for his whole life he's very content unless he is unless the Lord sows a seed of light into that heart scatters a seed that lands in that heart. Um, Man is content to live in the comforts of the creature, the, the, the passing pleasures of sin, the pursuits, the treasures of, of the fallen creation. He's perfectly content to do that, never thinking beyond it, never even feeling that it's wrong, not even aware that man is so fallen from life and, from, um, and so dead from the moment they ate that tree that you know you will die separated from god cast out of the garden blind and dead and so when that man until he begins to experience something of the true love for god or the love of god his What he calls the love of God is something that's according to his own thoughts. It's according to his own ideas, his own darkened ideas. And he loves and serves a God of his own imagination. That's what an idol is. Now, right in the beginning, the very first thing God dealt with Israel about, the first commandment, is that they weren't supposed to imagine anything about God. They weren't supposed to use their minds... According to anything that they'd seen in the heavens, or in the earth, or in the sea below, to imagine what God was like—that was rule number one—is that you, if you imagine, if you use your mind to conceive God or to create a likeness, whether you carve that likeness or just think that likeness, with that that likeness that you that comes out from your mind is a graven image. It's an image, whether it's graven or carved or whatever. It is an image. It is an image in the, it is it is something in the image and likeness of the man that created it, and maybe he puts it in the form of a bird or the form of a star or a sun or something that he thinks he you know you you make whatever physical representation of it you want, and there's there's always a concept or an idea or some some concept of deity behind that thing, but the whole thing is. False. And, and, and man does that. I was just, you know, that, that story I was just reading uh, yesterday. You remember, you know, you all know the story of the golden calf. Aaron made the golden calf and, and, and he says, Behold, Israel, these, these, this is the God that brought you out of Egypt. And we've talked about that a bunch of times in many different classes and how that wasn't them changing gods. That was them giving a new form to the God that they thought they knew. That was them just saying, this is how he's worshipped, this is what he looks like, this is our ideas about him, this is what he likes us to do, this is the way he wants to be served. Well, I was just amazed yesterday as I was reading uh, through 1 Kings that Jeroboam, after um, after the kingdom split into the ten tribes and the two tribes, remember that story, Jeroboam did the exact same thing, like, he... He made two golden calves. And then he didn't just make two golden calves. And that's after 500 years, you know, since the first... Yeah, he made two. He made two. He put one here and one there. And then he said, Behold, Israel, the God who brought you out of Egypt. The exact same thing that I... It's like, wait a second. Didn't you learn anything? But it's not about learning anything. It's about that's what man does. It's a... That's what man is. He creates an image. He he does it out of his own view, out of his own darkened idea. Something he, he even does it reading God's words and he finds excitement in doing it. And I'm not saying that again, it doesn't really matter if you make a golden calf or if you just think about God according to your own ideas. It's exactly the same. If you love the God of your own imagination, the God of your own idea, if you serve that God, then you're serving a golden calf. What makes it a golden calf isn't the gold. What makes it a golden calf is that you are defining who God is and how to relate to him and what it means to love him and what it means to serve him and what it means to worship him. The thing that makes an idol is the source that came up with the view of God. And the natural man loves the idea of having a God of his own design. We create God in our own image. And and we find a lot of excitement in doing so. And and people just automatically Christians. It's funny because we automatically assume that our zeal for God is good or our zeal for God is clean. But there's lots of things that motivate zeal for God. There's lots of things that uh, that that make us interested in the Bible, interested in Scripture, interested in church, interested in ministry. There's a whole host of things in the fallen dark heart of man that loves those things too it's not and you can't just assume when you see zeal and 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 bible verses and interest and that 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 stuff is clean there is a very very dark and polluted source that will grab hold of spiritual words and use them for um, its own its own ideas and gain and, and be very excited by what it reads. And love knowledge. And love uh, understanding according to that kind. And, and love to be wise according to that mind. And love to be um, respected. And love to feel spiritual according to that falseness. And, and then we serve that God. Uh, we serve the God that we have made in our mind, according to our ideas and behaviors, and and we 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 we, so, we serve Him with our own traditions, or or, or the tradition, traditions that have been uh, created by people that are smarter than us, or that are more uh, you know creative than us, or more um, charismatic or, or motivational. And and so what I'm trying to say is that usually. And I mean that, usually, usually in us, I'm not even, I don't need to look outside of myself to make this comment. Usually in us, when man says he loves God, what he loves is his own ideas about God and the relationship that he has with those ideas. I mean, he loves what those ideas mean to him and how they make him feel. And what he thinks God will do for him. Or what he thinks God has done for him. Or, what he, or or because he gets to talk in his car to God on his drive to work. And it makes him feel a certain thing. Or because he w- likes to read certain things in the morning. That give him a, you know, I don't, there, there's tons of reasons. Tons. But, but, but all of that can happen in the man who cannot love anything outside of his own dark soul. And that's, that's, the, that's the only condition that man n- knows or could ever know unless there was a sower, a sower of seed. The one who scatters seed everywhere he goes. And that is our God. He is a God who does not want to leave us in that condition. He seeks us out. He sows seed everywhere. It's like... um i don 't know all of you i 'm sure don 't have uh, maple trees where you live, but maple tree you know, like we have a ton of maple trees in our yard, and they have those little helicopters that spin down you know and and they 're i don 't know if they 're worse this year than than they have been in the past it seems like they are they 're everywhere and they 're growing everywhere they 're growing. Um, in our flower beds, they're growing in our grass, they're growing in our driveway. They're growing in our gutters, these little maple trees. They're coming up everywhere they can find a crack. They are growing. Uh, and it just every time I see it, I just think of that's what the Lord is doing. He's just sowing the seed everywhere. and wherever it finds a crack, he, he, he's looking for a room. And it's cool because when you pick one up off the ground, That's been there for a couple days, or tell you know after a rain. There's this little root, and it's like this little worm, you know, and it's going out and it's looking for just a place to go down, and and I just feel like that's exactly what the Lord is doing. He sows the seed, and it's a seed. It's it has a very particular nature to it. It's a seed that is. It's a seed of light. He sows light for the righteous. He sows light that shines. And judges. And, and most people hate it. Most people hate that seed and they hide from the seed of light. But but there's some. And, 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 and the people that hide from that seed or the people that. They don't say that they hate the light. They never say that. No one says that. No, they don't say that they um, don't love God. They just don't think that that is God. And they keep loving the God of their own ideas. And and yet there's others who let the root, let the light um, find a place, find a crack, find a small place in their heart, and then they they're like Rahab. You know the story of Rahab? Into this horrible land of iniquity and abomination and rebellion and idolatry and Sin. These two little spies go in, and 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 the whole land is it, it, it knows the power of, of Israel and its God, but these two little seeds they land, they land in Jericho, right, and and and, and yet there's ground in Jericho. There's a little bit of ground in Jericho that that receives that seed and its testimony what is what is the seed what do what the spies testify what do they say they say um, they say that the whole city of Jericho is under the judgment of God and needs to be destroyed and Rahab ties the scarlet above her she agrees with the judgment she says we I know My my family and I know that the whole land is under the judgment of God, and righteous. And He's a righteous God. He's the God of all heaven and earth. And and we agree with that judgment. What what that what those spies said to her, she agreed with it. They didn't say it was only. See, it was after they agreed with that judgment and hid in in hid in their house, hid in their heart, the the seed that came from from the ones who wanted to destroy it. She hid, she hid that seed she kept it, she guarded it you know what I'm saying, you know the story if you don't know the story, go back and read Joshua where, where it's in the beginning there um, she, she, the, here, here came this word and it wasn't a pleasant word, it, the word was I'm going to destroy your whole city, the whole thing is rejected of God and, 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 yet, and yet she said it's true, it, we are a wicked people, we are an abominable people We do deserve the... I'm going to receive this word. I'm going to hide it from the people in this city that are coming to kill it. I'm going to cherish it. And then, because she does that, that seed becomes her salvation. That that judgment, she joins herself with that judgment. She agrees with that judgment, just like Rahab. She cherished it. She cherished the implanted word that was able to save her soul. But it didn't come in just saying, hey, look, salvation for everybody. It came in saying death for everybody. It's, it came in. It came in saying that that it came in with condemnation and judgment. Do you see what I'm saying? And she and she agreed with it. She she cherished what it said, and she loved its appearing, and she received it, and she kept that word. She kept that implanted word, and she clung to it, and it became her salvation, and it brought her out. It brought her out of Jericho, and it brought her into Israel, and she's in the the lineage of Christ, and and that's what. Friends, that's what I'm trying to tell you loving Christ is. And without that, loving Christ means nothing. Loving Christ means receiving his implanted word. And it's a word that doesn't doesn't let you stay what you are. It's a word that judges what you are. It's a word that shows you the darkness and the big... Thick layers of fat over your heart that even keep you from hearing or feeling the truth as it is in Christ. It's a word that comes in and judges in it judges you in the flesh, so that you can live by the Spirit. That's what Peter says. First Peter four six. For this reason, the gospel, the word, was preached to those who are dead, that they might be judged according to man in the flesh, but live according to God in the Spirit. First Peter four six. That's what the word does. It judges you according to man in the flesh, that you can live according to God and the spirit. But if you don't let that word have a place in you, if you don't cherish the appearing of that word, that just it it doesn't let anything that was there beforehand live. It doesn't say it, it has to it has to agree with that judgment. It doesn't say save Jericho. It says you're right, kill Jericho. Do you see what I'm saying? It says what Rahab said. Now the, now the Pharisees they loved God, they they loved the God of their own ideas and their own ex, expectations. They loved the Messiah. They longed for the Messiah according to their own mind. We think of the Pharisees as these mean people, but they they were zealous and they had a love according to their own kind. They had a love for God. In fact, if you read Josephus, if you read um, the the Jewish historian Josephus, who was an eyewitness uh, and the and the historian of the the um, the war, uh, the, the, the war uh, of uh, the Romans against the Jews that happened in 70 AD, or it finished in 70 AD. And you hear his stories of the zeal of the Jews who rather than even fighting on the Sabbath would walk out to the Romans and put down their sword just as a testimony of their obedience to God, bow their head and let the Romans just lop off their heads. But... They refused their Messiah, but they didn 't flee from Jerusalem like the Jesus told the, Jew, the the believing Jews to do when the army surrounded. They were fighting on the other six days, but they wouldn't fight on the Sabbath out of their love for God, out of their zeal for God, and lost their lives. Jesus, or Paul says, if you give your all of your possessions to the poor, and you give your body to be burned, but have not love, then you're nothing. Well, what kind of love, Paul, are you talking about? Because the carnal mind defines love by giving your possessions to the poor, and giving your body to be burned. And how could you not love God if you drop your sword and put your head down for someone to cut it off rather than offend the Sabbath? You see, love is very different than what man says. Love is not what we think it is. And especially the love of God. The love of God. See, the Pharisees loved God and yet they killed the the person who is the love of God. And they did it with zeal in their hearts for God. The hour is coming, Jesus said, when those who kill you will think they are doing service to God. Is that the love of God? There's a very specific way that God is loved. And, here, and, and, and again, as far as I've seen, okay, always everything I say is as far as I've seen right now. And don't take me too seriously, okay? But here's what I feel like I've seen in my heart. You love God by receiving the seed of his son, the sower's seed and it comes in and 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 it 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 comes in it's it's not a friend to what it finds in that land it, it doesn't make any treaties it doesn't make any packs it doesn't intermarry with the seed that it finds there it doesn't it doesn't keep. It doesn't keep anything. It kills everything that breathes. It does what Saul should have done with the Amalekites. It does what David and Joshua did with everything they found in the land. It comes in and you, the way you love God is to give that seed a place to reign. Give it a place to kill. Agree with the judgment and join your soul with it. Join your soul to it. Now see, the Jews... Again, going back to the Jews, the Jews were zealous. And, and I'm sure that they didn't seem like mean and angry people to everybody, okay? And yet, look at what Jesus says to them. John chapter John chapter 8, 37. <clears throat> it's, Jesus says this, And the Father himself who sent me has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form in this verse 38 and you do not have his word abiding in you because whom he sent you do not believe now, that's exactly what i'm trying to say You do not have his word abiding in you. You're not receiving the testimony of judgment. You're not receiving the thing that it convicts and reproves for. You're not receiving the light that exposes the darkness. Now I'm going to keep reading. 39. You search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. But you're not willing to come to me. That you may have the life. I do not receive honor from men. But I know you... That you do not have the love of God in you, I know you what 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 was Jesus seeing here? He was saying that they don't they don't really love him how did how did he know? well, he knew that they did not have the love of God in them because they did not have the Word abiding in them, they would not receive the life that was a contradiction, was a reproof, was a judgment of the life that they, they would not let go of. They did not have, I, I know you, you do not have the love of God in you. I've come in my Father's name and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you'll receive him. How can you believe who receive honor from one another and do not seek that, uh, the honor that comes from the only God? Why did they not receive the love Christ? Because Christ was the seed of light that showed man everything he'd ever done. It's like what he did to the Samaritan woman. Come see a man who showed me everything i ever done. You know, go get your, your husband. I don't have a husband. Yeah, you, you don't have a husband and you're, you're with a guy that isn't your husband now and you've had five husbands. Come see a man that showed me what I am. You know, come see a man that'll show you what you are. And, 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 and what does he do? Well, he, he shows the world that it's evil. He testify you know, Jesus says in John seven, verse seven, he says, the world cannot speaking to the Pharisees, the world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify of it, that it's works are evil. It hates me. <laughs> you can't see. That's what the seed is going to do in you. It's going to make you hate you too. I don't mean it's going to make you want to hurt yourself and cut yourself and all that kind of weird stuff. I mean it's going to make you hate your mother and father and brother and sister and even your own life. Because the testimony of the seed of God is against it. You see, it's against that whole kind. It's against that whole man. The seed comes in and it it shouts judgment. It says, there is no peace for the wicked. It says, do not say peace, peace, when there is no peace. The only peace is in following that light, agreeing with that light, coming out like Rahab and joining in the covenant of God for those who have been judged by him. You can't love the seed without hating your own life because the seed will show you That what you call life, the nature of the first man, the first birth, Adam, the seed will show you that that is evil. That that is by nature a child of wrath. You can't love the seed, you can't love God without agreeing with his judgment, without accepting those spies and hiding them in your heart, except for taking them into you. And cherishing, even if everyone else in the city wants to kill those two spies, where'd those spies go? And and Rahab says, I they, uh, you know, they went there," <laughs> and she hid them in her in her place in her house. I love that story, even though man, I know a man makes it into a. I don't know. I, I, I don't know what man does with that story. But I'll I tell you what I think the Lord does with that story. He testifies of the necessity of agreeing with his judgment. Letting the judgment spread in you. And all that is yours. Your country, your kindred, and father's house. And the more you love the seed, the more you let it kill what you call life. Now, please hear that. The more you love it. That, see, this is where man does not love God. This is the false love exposed true love will let the seed of god put to death everything in you that is the enemy of that seed and the more you love that seed the more you truly love it with the nature and the light and the life that comes from it the more you let it kill what you have called life everything in it and 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 and, and you you do deny yourself and pick up your cross and and follow him. And you let him put to death in you everything that is enmity in that land. You don't try to save it. You don't try to save anything. Anyone who tries to save their life will lose it. But anyone who loses their life and hates their life for his sake, for the sake of the seed, for the sake of the light that testifies against all that is evil, that one will save it. And And... And, you know, right before the cross, right before uh, Jesus went to the cross, Judas, not Judas Iscariot, the the other Judas, said to Jesus, Lord, how is it that you are manifesting yourself to us and not to the world? You see, I mean, that must have been a really confusing thing for them. Because Jesus is talking about how he needs to go to the cross and die. And they're like saying, wait, wait a minute. Uh, there's only 12 of us here. And there's a lot more people in the world that need to know you. You know? Why are you showing? You say you're about to go away. You know? And where, you know, and where I come and you cannot come now. But later you will follow and all that stuff. And, and, and they're confused. They don't understand. Why are you going away? Why, what, what, are you, what, are you, what are you doing? Why are you showing yourself to us and not to the whole world? And Jesus says, don't worry about that. And here's why. The next verse. Verse twenty three, John fourteen twenty three. If any Jesus answered and said unto him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. No, no, no. He doesn't say he will do the, my words. He will keep it. He will guard it. He will take ah, it. You see what I'm saying? Different, different, different. He will take it like like Rahab took the spies. He'll take it and and. Keep it and love it. He will keep my word. And then what will happen? And my father will love him and will come to him and make our home in him. That's what we'll do. If, if anyone loves me, he will let the word, the seed, the light, the testimony. He'll love it. And that will make room. That'll do something in that person's soul. It'll make room. Anybody. The seed's going out like the helicopters. They're all going out everywhere. And if anybody loves it, if anybody hears it and cherishes it and receives it in their heart and accepts its testimony, guards it, hides it in their heart, hides it like a treasure, then my Father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. You don't have to worry about it, Judas. You don't have to worry about the fact that i you're the only ones that have seen me in the flesh, you haven't even really known me yet. According to the flesh, you haven't. I'm about to give you my seed in your soul. It's better that I go away because then the spirit will come and the one who has been with you will be in you. Do you see what Jesus is saying there to them? My word, he's saying, is sown like a seed. And the one who accepts it, the one who keeps it, the one who guards it, accepts its testimony. It's And and, and that person has a place for it to dwell. But, but the word does not mix with anything that it already finds in the soul. It makes, again, it's just like the seed of Israel going into the land. How many times, if you read through... Uh, uh, the book of Deuteronomy, I don't know how many times, one day I should probably count it. How many times God keeps saying to them, when you go in, pay attention, when you go in, don't make treaties, don't make marriages, don't make any kind of pacts, don't join yourself, the seed of Israel, and then he gives them other rules too. Don't sow two different kinds of seed in the same Field and don't use two different kinds of uh, fabric for the same covering that came from two different seeds or two different animals or whatever. Don't do that, don't do that because the seed that goes into that field that is, that is the seed of Abraham, that is the seed which is Christ. Galatians chapter 3 does not mix does not make treaties, does not marry with the inhabitants of that land. Rather, what it does is it kills. It judges. That's the word. That's the word that we need to keep. And if we really keep it, we find out what nature it is. It has a very particular nature to it. It's not... It's It's not... The. It's a you know it it comes to you like this beautiful little lamb this and yet the more you know it it's it's a lion and and it goes out and it makes raids in Israel against the Philistines and it it goes out cutting off foreskins and heads and and, and bringing them back to the king and laying them at his feet it, it it's 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 a it's a living word in fact it's a it's a word that is alive. It's living and active. The word of God is, is lit, the word that brings you into his rest. He, this is in, in Hebrews chapter 4 because he's talking about being diligent to enter into the rest. And the word that brings you into that rest is the word that he's describing there. And what does he say that word does? The word of God is living and active and sharp, It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It cuts, it divides, it seeks a place for its own increase. It doesn't just sit there. It doesn't just sit there like a Bible verse on, on your fridge. It, it, that's not the word that you need to guard and keep. It does you know, it doesn't. The spies, they didn't just sit there and have tea and crumpets with Rahab. They came back and killed everybody. Do You know what I mean? They... It, they, it, it divides. It seeks a place for its own kingdom. It, that Jericho was in the land that God had purchased. It was His purchased possession, and therefore it was part of what He was redeeming. It was the redemption of the purchased possession. It, it and that living word. It puts roots down and it rips up the soil. And it and it and it it it, it puts roots downward and bears fruit upward towards the sower. It's a, it's a mighty word. It's a powerful word. It has power to save the soul. Receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save the soul. How does it save the soul? How does it save Zion? Zion is redeemed through judgment. Judgment. He, he comes to you as, as the one who shows you everything that you've ever done. And it condemns it all. And it saves the soul through judgment. It saves the soul by killing Philistines. It saves the soul by taking down strongholds and filling the land with its own increase. It's a mighty word. It doesn't, we think it's so, we we think it's, first of all, we think it's just words. We think it's just words that describe the word. When it's really the word who wrote all the words. And, and, and second of all, we, we, don't, we, we, we make treaties with those words. We think we understand them with our natural mind. We think we can teach them without actually having been cut by them. We think we can memorize them and quote them without actually having been killed by them. We don't know that word. And when the word really appears in his own light, well, then we reject it. We reject that light. We reject it because we, we, we hate it. We hate what it shows us. We hate the judgment it declares. It doesn't say nice things to the soul. It says, you shall surely die. That's what it says. It says, if you want to love God, love this light. Love what it's saying. Love how it's cutting. If you want to love God, love the word of God that will kill and cut and judge. And reign in your soul as your own salvation. It will save you. But not by saving what is condemned. It will, if you save what's condemned, then you're going to be like Achan. Remember the story of Achan? He saved something that was under the ban. He saved something that was condemned of the Lord. And what did it? How did that work out for him? <laughs> you know, the guy was bare, He was stoned by the entire camp and covered with rocks. That he 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 tried to save something that God had that had not passed through the fire. That had not. It was not. Something that God had saved. And so, anyway, what if we're not loving the Word? I'm going to wrap up here. I see I'm running out of time. If we're not loving God in this way, friends, and don't take my word for this, just bring it to the Lord, bring it to the teacher, bring it to the only one who can really show you and testify in your heart. If we're not loving God, Then we're not loving the one, if we're not loving God in this way, we're not loving the one who is trying to save our soul. We're not loving the light that is judgment. What does Jesus say? This is the judgment. What's the judgment? Light has come, but men love darkness because their deeds are evil. And the light shows them that, so they hide from it. If they're not loving God in this way, then they're not loving the truth that sets you free from yourself. If anyone abides in my word, he will know the truth. But, if you just memorize his words, you will not. If you abide in his word, you will know the truth. And the truth will make you free. Make you free from what? Make you free from Jericho. Make you free from Philistines. Make you free from what you called your life. If you're not loving the word, the, the word of God, the implanted word, then you are loving your ideas about God or about theology or about being a Christian or about going to heaven or about meeting your loved ones after death or about having someone to talk to in your car or whatever, there are plenty of things that man loves about his ideas about God. The, we, the world has shown. Almost everybody, not everybody, but, but, but most people love some idea of God or gods in the world. It's very beneficial to the flesh to have some kind of a God. It is not beneficial to the flesh to receive the, the implanted word of God. Because that, will, though it saves the soul through judgment, it condemns the flesh. All right, well, I'll stop with that.